This morning's reading is taken from Mark chapter 6, beginning to verse 45, and you can see it on your service sheets or on the screens in front of you. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Thank you so much for reading that for us. Um, and, uh, and indeed, Beth, for, for praying for us. Uh, it will be really helpful if you can keep uh, that uh, passage in front of you. Uh, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, uh, then that will also be uh, super useful. In fact, today's one of those days where I wish that we've got uh, Bibles in the seats. Maybe that's uh, on, on a hit list at some stage. Um, uh, but that will be useful to have. Uh, repeating yourself. Repeating yourself uh, is, uh, it can be really annoying, can't it? Um, uh, having to repeat yourself again and again. Uh, what parent hasn't said that phrase? If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Uh, maybe it's with a colleague where you have to repeat. And you say, I've told you this. Uh, we've been through this before, you say. Repeating yourself uh, sometimes uh, can be embarrassing when it's called out. When a loved one or family member says, you've actually told me that already. Or, or darling, you're repeating yourself. Repeating yourself uh, can be um, a, a, a useful thing. Uh, politicians do it, don't they? Education, education, education. I'm driving home the point. Uh, teachers do it. Uh, what, what is revision other than repetition? Going back over the same uh, stuff. Uh, repeating yourself can be strange as well, can't it? Those moments of sort of deja vu. Oh, I feel like I've been here before. Oh, I've seen that before. And actually that last one, deja vu, might be something that you felt as that passage uh, was read. Uh, here, here they are in a boat at night in a storm and Jesus is going to sort it out. Wait a second. I, I think I think I remember that story. Um, if, if you've been with us since Christmas, um, the very first t- uh, day that we came back into Mark's Gospel, Claire led us through a story that sounds very, very similar to this one. There the disciples are in a storm and Jesus is in the boat. He stands up, be quiet. He says to the, to the wind and the waves and they calm down. Uh, and they ask a question. It's actually the one that in the reference passages there uh, is back in chapter 4 verse 41. Uh, they asked this question. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Uh, and actually over the last few uh, chapters as we've been going through this bit of Mark, uh, we've seen Jesus answering that question. Uh, who is this? Uh, he is the one 
who has, yes, power over the wind and the waves, uh, but also remember when he was uh, at, at Gennesaret? Uh, there, there he was, uh, and uh, sorry, the land of the Gerasenes. What, what did he do there? Uh, he had power over evil, uh, forces of evil that were stronger and more powerful than us. Uh, remember, as he, uh, as, as he was there with uh, the woman um, who, who was bleeding, he had power over health. He was able to restore her health. Or that little girl who he took by the hand, and he said, it was so memorable, he said it in Aramaic, uh, Talitha Kum, get up little lamb. And he raised her from dead uh, as if he was waking somebody up from a dream. Oh, and then last week, what do we see him doing? He, he, he was more powerful even than hunger as he provided food for, uh, for, for, for 5,000 men plus uh, women and children. So he's been showing us something of his power and his compassion in these last chapters. If you like, he's been answering uh, the question of who he is. Uh, and here we get a bit of a repeat. And the question comes, why is there a repetition? What's going on? Let's dive into the passage. Uh, Jesus, by now, has just fed uh, 5,000. Uh, in, in practice, that's the men, so there are probably also women and children there. Uh, in other words, he's got a bit of a crowd that's probably about the size of Sheffield Arena at full capacity uh, there on the beach. Uh, and John's account of that, uh, of that uh, has that crowd wanting to forcibly make him king. Uh, and so Jesus doesn't want that, and he beats this kind of hasty uh, retreat. We see that in verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat uh, and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. Nothing particularly unusual about Jesus withdrawing to pray. He, d- he does that. Uh, he goes up a mountainside to do it. Uh, what's unusual is what happens uh, then. You see, uh, here he is at night on the top of a mountain... And we're told that he looks down and the boat is in the middle of the lake, verse 47, and he's on the land. So it's at night and he's able to see this boat and see his people struggling. And what does he do? He comes down from the mountain. Uh, he walks across uh, this, the, the face of this lake uh, as if the, the waves themselves were, uh, were concrete rather than water. Uh, and he walks about eight miles into a headwind uh, in order to be uh, with his disciples. Now what's going on here is much more than just a metaphor. But it's not less. What do we see here? We see Jesus, God, on a mountain, communing with God. Seeing his people struggling, what does he do? He comes down, he enters into the fray with his people in order to bring about salvation for his people. There's more going on than that, but there's there's not less. And incidentally, that should bring us some real confidence if it feels at the moment like life is us straining against the oars. If it feels like life is hard... We have a God who sees, who comes, who rescues. But, you might say, that's all very well, but I've read the passage 
and I've got some questions. If that's what Jesus is doing, uh, then what on earth's going on with this passing by malarkey? Uh, did, did he see it? Um, uh, it's, it's there in, in, in verse 14, uh, end of 48. Uh, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. Now that's weird, isn't it? If Jesus is coming to, sa- to save his disciples in this storm. What is he doing passing by? Uh, is it that Jesus wasn't quite sure where they were and was just kind of stumbling his way along? Well, no, he, he's been able to see supernaturally in the dark over eight miles uh, into the middle of a lake. Uh, it's, it's not that he's unaware. Uh, some people say, oh, well, maybe it's, it's because if he didn't pass by them, then he wouldn't be in front of them and then they wouldn't see him. But think about it. What are they doing? They're straining at the oars. Now, you don't have to be a a, a big sailor to know what way are you facing when you are rowing. You face backwards, don't you? You face backwards and you pull. So so surely the logical thing, if you want to be seen by a bunch of rowing people, uh, is not going past the front of them, but is just wandering up behind and stepping in. It would be both the direct route and the logical route. So what is this passing by? What's going on? Well, as we look at this passage, we see deja vu of Mark 4, where we were a few weeks ago. But there are, some other, there are some other deja vu moments going on around this time that perhaps uh, especially the original, uh, mainly Jewish readers would have picked up on. Was there another time in the wilderness where bread was miraculously provided Uh, Was there another time when uh, God's people needed to beat a a, a hasty exit because somebody wanted to force them into something they didn't want? Uh, Was there another time when they needed to cross a sea in darkness? Was there another time when a God would would, would supernaturally enable a walking across a, a sea? In fact, we're even told that it's just before dawn. Was there another time when God rescued his people just before dawn, walking across a sea, away from an enemy? Perhaps, let me give you another clue. The the disciples in our passage here are terrified. They thought they'd seen a ghost. They cried out, verse 50, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I. The Greek, there's two words, ego eimi, literally, take courage, I am. And as we begin to put this together, especially having just taught the book of Exodus, we begin to see all sorts of parallel themes, don't we? Uh, there, Yahweh, the I Am, saves his people, uh, saves his people through the Red Sea. He provides for them. He meets with God on a mountain. Another, n- another interesting uh, parallel uh, th- th- that's going on there. Uh, and, and you see all these kind of Exodus uh, parallels going on in this passage. Uh, and so, uh, what then is the passing by doing? Well, those of you who know Exodus know that. That's another Exodus phrase. 
What happens in Exodus uh, is, is, is God's meeting with his, his, uh, his friend and the leader, Moses. Um, and, and we're going to see this in a few weeks' time when we dive back into Exodus. Uh, but, but Moses said, I want to see your glory. And God says, you can't see my glory. But what you can do is you can go into the, uh, into, uh, the, the cleft of the rock and my glory is going to pass by and you can see my back. And God passes by Moses. Proclaiming Yahweh, Yahweh, the gracious and compassionate God. See, there's a passing by that's going on here. What is it that Jesus is, is, is doing here with all of these Exodus links? He is showing, who is this man? This man is the very Yahweh, the very covenant God of Israel. Uh, the very one who saved them out of Egypt uh, is the same person who is then sitting in the boat at the end of this passage. This is, this is a, ma- a massive claim. That the Yahweh who passed Moses by uh, is the Yahweh who sits in a boat in the middle of Lake Gennesaret. This is... Huge if we're wanting to be encouraged today. Because if we are in the place of life where we're struggling against the oars and life feels difficult and out of control, the one who comes down from the mountain, who enters into the fray, who gets into the boat with us, is the very covenant God of Israel. We don't have a, a watered down version of God in Jesus Christ. No, the very one whose glory passed by Moses is the one who gave himself for you and for me. But for some of us, we're thinking, okay, that's, that's pretty awesome, but I've got another question. And it's a question of what happens at the end of this passage, because Actually, the reaction at the end of this passage gets very uh, scary quite quickly, actually. Verse 51, then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed. Great, to stop there. Stop there, Mark. Don't don't say the next verse, but he carries on. Uh, For they hadn't understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Oh, what's what's good? Jesus got in the boat. They're amazed, and their hearts are hardened? That seems a strange phrase to use. Like, I could understand if it was talking about Pharisees here. You know, Pharisees, uh, they're out to, out to get Jesus. Yeah, it makes sense for their hearts to be hardened. Uh, but here we're talking about Jesus' disciples. Uh, people who've done ministry in his name. And it says their hearts are hardened. And, and of course, actually, if we're, we're thinking about the whole Exodus imagery, that gets scarier still, doesn't it? Who, whose heart's hardened in Exodus? Famously, Pharaoh's. Pharaoh, the enemy of God and his people, his heart is hardened. So how is it that the disciples' hearts are hardened? And if it can happen to them, could it happen to us? In Exodus, there is another group who's hearts are hardened. It's the group of uh, Israelites who, uh, who are saved through the Red Sea. Uh, and they, they go through the wilderness, they get to the edge of the promised land. Uh, and, and, and they've got this option, do, do we go and take this land that we're promised? Do we trust the promises of God? And they say, no. No, we're not going to do it. 
And we find a whole generation dies in the wilderness. That generation is described as having stubborn and hard hearts. This is scary. This isn't where we're expecting to see that hardness of heart. So what's going on? Well, we're told they're hard because they do not understand about the loaves. If you like, the question that they're asking in Mark 4, who is this man? They're no longer asking. They've not looked into saying, what is it about the loaves that we don't get? Uh, Jesus is kind of doing amazing things that are amazing, but they're not asking themselves, uh, who is this Jesus? Uh, during um, COVID-19, we all learned a lot about vaccines, didn't we? And uh, I learned all sorts of things about different ways in which vaccinations happen. And, uh, and I'm told one of the ways in which it happens, and uh, you doctors can, can correct me later on this, um, but, but one of the ways that I think it happens is that, is that you get a, a virus or a bug and you kind of water it down and weaken it, and then you give just a little bit to somebody. And that way, our, our kind of bodies, they, they kind of get used to fighting it. They work out the kind of key, its weaknesses, and, and all the rest of it. Uh, and then when the, the full-blooded virus comes, our bodies already know, okay, I know, how to, I know how to deal with this. And so what you do is you get a little inoculation, a little weakened form again and, and again and again. And there's a danger that we do that when it comes to Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know about that. I, I've got that box that I've put him in. I, 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 I've, kind of, I, I've read this Bible story before. I, I know the answers. It's fine. And so as we open our Bibles of a morning, uh, we look and we go, oh, yeah, there's that idea about sheep. I'll go and think about sheep. Or, oh, yeah, it's that passage. I, I've got this one down. I can go and think of something else. Or perhaps we get to the stage in our Christian life where, actually, to be honest, we don't even open the Bible all that much. We do so at church. At church, that's where I get my spiritual fix. Maybe we're at the stage, actually, where we come along to church maybe once a month or, or every other month. And the danger is that we begin to stop asking who this Jesus is. We think we know that. We're not asking about the bread. We're not asking about what he's saying to us in the passage. We're not actually wrestling with the scriptures. And it's like we're just being gently inoculated with weak little Jesus. Without actually coming to know him. Let me ask you, and this challenged me. When was the last time that you took a piece of scripture... And you thought as much about what's going on in that piece of scripture as you do about the tactics of the traitors on television. Or or that day's wordle. Or, Or that crossword of the day. When was the last time that we sat down and we said, I, I, I need to understand this, so I'm going to study this like I study what's going on as I'm about to get a new mortgage. Oh, I base my life on Jesus, but actually I'm going to spend more time thinking about more or less anything other than him. And the danger is that we begin to take him for granted. And our hearts, instead of loving him and instead of being wooed by him, just become hard towards him. 
Maybe we say, yeah, but I'm, I'm somebody who God's ministered through, and so are the disciples. They were just sent out. They were doing amazing things. They were casting out demons in his name. And their hearts are, are growing hard. Now, the idea of this passage isn't to be beaten up. Please don't hear me trying to just guilt trip you. Uh, but, but the idea of this passage is to encourage us to listen up. It's almost there that they hear of the disciples and they see God doing amazing things. Like we've just heard of God doing amazing things at the start of this service. And it's saying, don't let your hearts just be hardened. No, no, see who this Jesus is. How do I know that that's where Jesus goes? Well, actually, if we follow on from this point on, we see Jesus, well, repeating himself. The very next verse. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And, an, and anchored there. Now remember what happened after Mark 4. They landed at the region of the Gerasenes. They, they are different places. But Mark purposefully uses that word play. Uh, how do I know? Because what happens when they meet uh, at Geras- G- uh, uh, where they land at Gennesaret? A whole load of things that we're familiar with. You, you see uh, just a couple of verses later. You've got people coming to Jesus. And what are they doing? They're placing, uh, uh, they place the sick in the marketplaces. And they begged him to let to touch even the edge of his cloak. We just heard about somebody touching his cloak only a few weeks ago with the woman uh, who just had to touch his cloak. That uh, that might be coincidence, though. Only we then see him speaking with a Syrophoenician woman uh, later on in chapter seven. Uh, there, a Gentile woman, an outcast woman. We've seen him speaking with an outcast woman only a couple of chapters ago uh, between the last boat trip. Uh, We've seen him doing this. Uh, We see him healing somebody. uh, And unusually and oddly, we see him using uh, Aramaic when he says to a blind man, Ephaphra. When did we see him using Aramaic last time? Talitha Kum. It's as if history is repeating itself. Uh, We saw him feed 5,000 people. What do we see in in just a couple of chapters later here before the next boat trip? We see him feeding 4,000 people. We see a conversation about the bread. We see another conversation about the bread. Uh, We see a boat trip uh, to get away. We see another boat trip to get away. And what is Jesus doing? He's gently repeating himself. So that as we come uh, after the next boat trip, he can say, not who, uh, not, not, not who is this man, but he can say to Peter, who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? And, and Peter can say, not with a hard heart, but with a soft heart, you are the Christ. Uh, why, am I, why am I drawing attention to that? Why am I stealing the thunder of, uh, of, of the series to come up? Uh, I need to say this. Uh, what does Jesus do as he sees his disciples getting hardened hearts? Uh, he repeats. He gently goes back over. He says, uh, look, let me explain this again to you. Let me hold this out to you again. Uh, let me show you who I am again. And if you were convicted a few moments ago, he's saying to you today, uh, let me hold myself out to you in the pages of scripture again. Uh, I am the God who came from on high, who came to be with you. Uh, so don't harden your hearts. Come back. Uh, read again. See my glory in these pages. Don't, don't let it pass you by without glimpsing it. Because the God who fed 5,000 people last week with bread is the God whose table we will gather around in a few minutes' time. 
And as you have done again and again and again, we will be reminded that that God said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. See again. Taste again. Don't don't let it be flippant. But let me meet you in the bread and the wine as I remind you of my cross and death and resurrection. As I remind you that I came down from on high into the fray of this life in order that I can offer you salvation. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing a a song, a song that we can use as an opportunity to reflect on, on what we've been thinking about and then we'll come to the table. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that you are the God of second or third chances. Thank you for the way that you are happy to repeat yourself far more than I am. Thank you that you don't leave us with hard hearts, but continue to offer us, come see, look. Oh, Father, I pray that you'd help us this week not to inoculate ourselves against you with half a, half a look here or there, but spend time sitting at your son's feet listening to the God of all glory, to Yahweh himself. Help us, Father, in fresh faith in a few moments' time to take the bread and take the wine, trusting that that you are the God who saves. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.